the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Let's get it going right here and right now. This is New Generation Declassified. And you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad. And every single week, we take a journey back, back in time to a glorious time, the new generation era of the World Wrestling Federation. And this week, the plan is no different. We're going to continue the house show discussion Part one was an interesting journey on the East Coast, hitting all the spots, Madison Square Garden, the Meadowlands Arena, and all the places in between. But this week, we're going to move a little bit west. We're going to go in, and we're going to talk about the Ohio area, welcoming in one of my favorite people on planet Earth, my, uh, as me and Gene would say, my longtime close personal friend, the one and only, the great Chris Pavone. Hey, Chad, what is up, my man? I'm su- super excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, hey, I'm just carrying over our regular conversations onto the air. <laughs> so it's really not a hard thing to do. <laughs> that is exactly correct, right? <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, I give you all the credit in the world because the conversation we've had really brought me the idea of wanting to do the show. I told you that for like a year plus because I love this concept of looking at this point in time where... You know, I think some people went to sleep for a couple of years and forgot what was going on in the wrestling world. <laughs> yeah, yep. And it, it it fits right in with like where I was as a fan and as a kid. It didn't matter what the WWF put out, like I was gonna watch it. You know, so it, it is a really interesting, you know, as far as my uh, experience with it, you know, it's like it's a little interesting time in the wrestling world. Exactly. And for those who, you know, need to be brought up to speed, you know, because you're you're not cool like all the rest of us. Chris, of course, former WWE superstar known as Kalen Croft. So his stories today are going to intersect not only with him growing up as a fan in the Ohio, uh, greater Ohio area, but also then coming full circle and wrestling in the arenas that he actually went to watch shows as a kid. So for you, you're a little bit different of a guest because you get to give us both sides of the coin where, you know, all those those young little uh, hungry tigers out in the crowd that wanted to get into the ring. Well, you were yeah. one of the fortunate ones who did. <laughs> yeah. And um, a wild card here I might throw in for you is I think I forgot to mention beforehand is the uh, is it the Civic, the, the arena in Pittsburgh, whatever it's called today, because where I'm located in Ohio, um, I used to go to shows in Pittsburgh, too, but not until I was a bit older. So i play into this. So it was, it was the PA. Pittsburgh, right. It was the Pittsburgh civic arena, right. For the longest think, time. Wasn't uh, it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Now, now that nowadays they change all the names to corporate. I'm trying <laughs> to think. Cause, uh, Oh man, is it the arena where Mick Foley got thrown off the cage? Was it that one? It is. That was our King of the ring. So quick backstory with that. You know, I'm from Youngstown, Ohio, grew up, Cleveland's the main city. Grew up Cleveland sports. That's why I'm a diehard Cleveland Browns fan today. Um, but Youngstown is right in between Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Cleveland, Ohio. So both are equal distance from Youngstown. They're both about an hour. Hmm. It wasn't until I was like 19 or 20 that it like occurred to me, hey, I just never paid attention to Pittsburgh. <laughs> it occurred to me, we can go to shows. and You're allowed to go to Pennsylvania for shows too. And I thought about it after King, King of the Ring 98 was in Pittsburgh and I went to the Raw the next night, um, which would have been in Cleveland. I, I Interesting. Guess, right? That's still a damn yeah. good show to go to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe. Wait a minute. Maybe it wasn't in Cleveland. I don't remember. I can't remember now. But anyway, the point, the point being, I only would go to shows um, in Youngstown or Cleveland until I was like 19 or 20. I started getting in on the Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah 
but that's how it was with me, you know, in New Jersey. I was either 90 minutes to New York or I was 90 minutes to Philly. So when I turned, you know, 20, 21, we were like, well, shit, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's the Wachovia Center down in Philadelphia. So let's go down to those shows. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yep. That's, there you go. So because what we talked anyway. about last week was that where we lived in Jersey was basically it was a train ride. You jump on the train. You're in Penn Station, right underneath Madison Square Garden, you know, and again, like 90 minutes. Oh, cool. uh, you want to go to the Meadowlands, it's, you know, an hour ride up the Turnpike. So that was the home base. You know, we got New York television. If you went a little bit, maybe to a relative's house, a little bit further into Jersey, you would get Philly. You'd see some of the Philly markets and stuff like that. But it's perfect for you to kind of fall in between because we'll talk about, you know, the book ending of one of the first shows I remember you told me about that you went to, which we kind of we we, we put it on the border of the new generation. OK, and we'll just kind of start. Well, we'll get to that. I don't want to jump ahead. We'll get to that. In a minute. So you went to a show that's on the beginning of it and you went to a show we're going to talk about in the right in the heart of the new generation. And we'll close talking about the, the show you were at in the same arena. So. Let's talk about you as a yeah. fan first. So not only yeah. is this guy like the perfect, uh, you know, friend and wrestling companion, he sends me a picture of a box in his parents' house, which is like it, it's the '90s fan in in a box. It's all the <laughs> WWF Hasbro's, and then he's uh, talking about his uh, his magazine collection. So talk about being a fan of that era and what it meant for you. Yeah. So uh, let's see. I got into wrestling and uh, right after WrestleMania six. Uh, so I was um, kind of played around, you know, my cousin was a big fan. Uh, it wasn't until um, Survivor Series 1990. So a little bit, you know, six months or so after SummerSlam 90 was the first pay-per-view I saw. I never really got into it myself a few months after that. Survivor Series 1990, that's when I got my first subscription to WWF Magazine. And then from there, I was hooked except for a brief hiatus, ironically enough, in the, during the new generation, which we can get to. So tackle huge, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge fan. All, you know, and um, so, and I was always WWF growing up, just kind of, I don't know, just the way it worked out. Um, when Ric Flair came to the WWF, like I knew who Flair was, but I didn't know much about him how much of a WWF guy I was uh, didn't realize the significance of that. Right. Looking back on it, that's like the bizarre world, Bobby Heenan holding up the uh, NWA WCW world title. Um, but yeah, just, uh, you know, was a um, watched every week. I remember when Monday night raw, uh, I don't know if I ever told you this, but my, um, you know, I remember the primetime wrestling episode when McMahon, just almost as a uh, in passing, just kind of said, next week we're going to be live for Monday Night Raw. And I was like, I was fully expecting another recap show. And I remember right. when they opened up from the um, uh, Manhattan Center there, I was like, whoa, holy cow. This is like, uh, I remember talking to my friend Todd Fricker about it, the guy that was with me at that house show that we'll discuss. We were, we were saying, how, we were impressed that there, were, there was really no scrub matches, as, you know, as we used to call them. And, right. um, yeah. And then, you know, as we know, Monday night over and all that. So, yeah, it was, it was really a legit, like almost just a transition to the, uh, the closing credits of, of primetime wrestling where Vince is just like, yeah, we're ushering in a new era. It's Monday night raw. Nobody knew what it was. It could have just been wrestling spotlight again or something, you know, uh, mean gene with the box over his shoulder, it wasn't really given any kind of description. It wasn't saying, Hey, it's going to be this innovative, brand new live wrestling program. And nothing, none of that. It was right. Just, right. One yeah. week it was prime time. The next week it was raw. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's they didn't build it up or anything. Yeah. Not that I can remember. I mean, you know, I don't, I didn't have a dirt sheet subscription in 1993. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, the dirt sheets knew about it, but yeah, for fans, and that's what we always say on the show. This is a look at what it was like to be a fan during that era. And no, you got your information from your WWF magazines, your PWIs, you know, the wrestler and stuff like that. And you would catch up on stuff by watching things. So you'd heard you maybe if you call the hotline, if your parents had the balls to spend that dollar ninety nine, mine didn't. <laughs> but if oh, they had the, you know, 
Yeah, if they had the wherewithal to let you call a hotline, you might learn this information, but that's how you got it. You had to sit there and watch. So I say the new generation starts the week Monday Night Raw kicks off. Interesting. Okay. Others say it's the night that Bret Hart beats Ric Flair. So whether or not that's that's the topic that's up for debate on this show all the time. So I say it's Raw. Others say it's when Brett beats uh, Ric Flair in October 92 in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. For the new generation. For the, That's the kickoff. Yeah, so where do, what do you think? Where do you fall on that? Interesting. And I'm sorry. Can you hear Hugo? I can hear him, but he's all right. He's not bothering me. <laughs> Come on, Hugo. Hugo is Chris's lovely dog, who is hilarious. Yeah, oh, I'm trying to record here. So... When you what you just said though about no dirt sheets, I quick example. I remember the Lex, uh, sorry, the uh, body slam challenge on the USS right. Intrepid. They kept talking about it, kept talking about it, and I remember asking my mom, telling her about it. I'm like, where, when, where channels it on? How do I? And that <laughs> happened on Fourth of July, and you couldn't get the results, or I couldn't anyway, until the following. Um, Monday's raw, till, so yeah, till raw. It was the kickoff yeah. package on raw, and that was yeah. the only way you were gonna you you were gonna see it. And that's yeah, it sucks. That's uh, we had to live through that. Can you believe we had to actually wait for for information? I mean, that's uh, that's terrible. But so, what do you think? Do you think it starts when Brett beats Flair? You think it starts with with Monday Night Raw? You think is it later? Where do you kind of fall in that argument when that that's that very, era of the company starts? That's very interesting because I. I so I don't think of the new generation until like 1994 when they started to, okay. yeah, when they kind of, when they started to call it that, I, so I guess this, this just came to me. I would say when Hogan uh, leaves, that's kind of the start hmm. of it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Hey, there's no perfect answer to this. If you look at Wikipedia, no. it just says the time between 93 and 97. But in 97, see, I cut it off at like WrestleMania 13. I, I will not review anything that's past the spring of 97. Once those ropes turn red, it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, I kind of, when I think of the new, new generation, I think of like 1994 and them really trying to market it with, you know, with Diesel and Razor and Brett and Piper for some reason, <laughs> right at the, <laughs> at the head of it. Um, it when, I remember when Savage went to WCW, I remember being very upset, thinking, and I remember saying this, I said, this stupid new generation stuff, they're getting rid of all like uh, the main guys. So that's kind of how I see it. And then, yeah, I would say it ends. Um, I agree with you because th that word, they, they kind of stopped saying it around, like even about like, 96, like, you don't hear it anymore really, right? No. When Sean was champ. Uh, but I agree with they, you. To me, WrestleMania. Yeah, Diesel was the leader of the new generation. He said that yeah. every week. But Shawn Michaels right. never really said that. Yeah, that's right. And so much was um, that's one of my favorite times in wrestling as a fan. It's like so much, you know, pretty much starting with the NWO had started to change wrestling. And um, yeah, when you look at WWF, like you know, ninety five, ninety six, it's like they're still kind of they're still kind of stuck, you know. And I would refer to it as the new generation. And I think right. I'd agree with you. Uh, WrestleMania um, thirteen. You know, things were already changed and they started to talk about attitude and it wasn't so black and white anymore. You could tell they were going that direction. It wasn't so right. black and white with the good guys, bad guys. You got Stone Cold emerging. So, yeah. So you've told me, you know, on many occasions, you to Series 92, which is at the Richard Coliseum, the great Richard Coliseum, home to, I believe, three Survivor Series events. Uh, but Survivor Series 92, you know, you get to see the Bret Hart, newly crowned champion, uh, mm -hmm. and Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels, um, which was really not supposed to happen, I don't believe. <laughs> I don't think that that was scheduled. Uh, and then kind of a hodgepodge of weird, just kind of weird booking matches, not really making a lot of, like, you know, long-term sense if you look back at it, but 
that mix of guys that would eventually get pushed, Yokozuna, you know, again, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and the old guard is still all there, the nasty boys and the natural disasters, and it's a weird mix of both sides, the, the Federation years and who we'd see next year in the new generation. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember, in fact, um, do you know the story on – because leading up to the Survivor Series, I think the main event was going to be it was champion Ric Flair – in Razor Ramon versus the Macho Man and and, and Warrior. Warrior, right? So, yeah, and that's yeah. what they built up for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then Warrior disappears. One of those spats they had, or I believe it was a little bit. You know, we're on video. Nobody's gonna see the video, but it was a little bit of uh, this thing with the Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or this thing here back in the back <laughs> that might have led right. to the Warrior being gone. Uh, yeah, so that's one of the matches advertised that didn't take place. So, so that happens. Meanwhile. They put the title on Brett. You know, like I, I read Brett's book and you know the story behind it. But do you, from a booking standpoint, do you know anything about why they did it before a major pay per view? I just thought it was because uh, uh, Flair was hurt. Flair had some. Uh, I think they knew they weren't going to resign him. Plus, he was injured, and that's why they had to take the oh, off okay. of him. And then cool. Dog and Warrior get fired because of uh, steroid. Uh, allegations and the scandal going on. So they literally had the, the whole card in flux. Yeah. And then that, it was that Saturday night's main event where Sean goes over on Bulldog. Yeah. And nasty title. And all of a sudden Survivor Series is champion versus champion. And, right. um, and you're right. Cause Sean, you know, he's in the main event on that. So I remember watching him walk out thinking, wow, this is a pretty big, pretty big spot for Sean Michaels. Good for him. Like he's in the main event, you know, in 1992, um, so yeah, and um, the also though what, what was so cool about the warrior leaving was the opportunity whether they were going to do it anyway. And now they just moved it up to turn to bring Kurt Henning back. That's so great, and, uh, <laughs> right? And what a cool angle um, that they did on primetime wrestling because I think it was they needed to do it last minute. Mm -hmm. and, um, Savage picks perfect as his partner. And Babyface, uh, that, to me, that was one of the uh, most sought-after matches I was looking forward to seeing at Survivor Series. Yeah, and the return after two years, which ended up having another two-year run for him as a wrestler, which was great that he was back. But So what do you remember about going to the show? What do you remember about you know the anticipation of the Survivor Series? Huge event at that time. I don't remember if it was Thanksgiving night anymore. It might have been Thanksgiving Eve. But it what was. do you remember about the show? Oh man, a lot. So up until this point, I had only ever been to house shows at the Beagley Center, which is the one we'll talk about when I got to wrestle in. And back then, like, you know, they just, well, you would remember house shows didn't, you know, there was no pizzazz about the house shows at all. None. There wasn't even a, uh, me and my friend Todd Fricker would, would joke about, there's not even a freaking curtain at the Beagley Center. They would just come out of like <laughs> an entryway, you know? Not like a door? <laughs> um, it was just like an opening. Yeah. But like, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So like no, no, no sparkle, no, no, uh, nothing like that. And um, so I had never been to a TV taping, let alone a pay-per-view before. So I was just blown away. And I remember, yeah, it was a Wednesday. It was the day before Thanksgiving. Um, I, I missed basketball practice go to the survivor series and um <laughs> now oh, that's awesome. a hell of an excuse <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah yep. that's a hell of yep. an excuse <laughs> Which, by the way this is funny my the uh basketball coach at the time mr kuboff he is he is a good man of the community i went to school with his kids he's uh i remember mr kuboff on the friday after the survivor series day after thanksgiving he said hey pavoni come here I said, yeah, he goes, how was the WWF? You know, kind of make, maybe making fun of it a little bit. And I thought it was good. You know? and, and then, um, uh, but you know, he, you know, he was being nice about it. But anyway, when in 2004, when I was under contract with the WWE, Mr. Kuboff was the postmaster in my hometown. So I had to go see him to get my passport for WWE. So that was kind of cool, right? There you go. Very nice. <laughs> anyway, and those those shots, those shots last a long time that you get with WWE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, okay, so you so this was so you're used to going to house shows uh, at the Beagley Center. You go to the Richfield Coliseum. Uh, you got the glitz, the glamour, the television, the big sign. 
uh, the whole yeah. nine yards, you know, yeah. did you feel like as a fan, like you made it? <laughs> did you feel like this was like, you, you weren't going to see anything more like realistic than what you watch on television than what you're seeing in front of your face? Yeah. Yes. That's a great, yeah, made it. Dude, it was the greatest time of my life for like some time. That's how, that's how I thought about it. Like, I just couldn't believe that a, a pay-per-view had come to like my area, you know, it's, wasn't anything crazy because they you know they'd been there two times before but not in my fandom life so <laughs> i know you missed come on you missed the 1987 survivor series at the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah come on that was that, that's the that was the first survivor series i remember that uh you right. know being five years old and watching the build-up for that and not knowing what the hell pay-per-view was not knowing why i couldn't watch the show but i just knew it would be in the video store eventually <laughs> so <laughs> right that's, yeah. that's where we we get it from so what uh so what'd you get at the event did you get any did you get a t-shirt did you get a program did you walk away with one of those coveted foam fingers what was uh, on your radar for merch that night yeah um didn't walk away with any merchandise Ooh. uh you know what i still i kept the ticket stub and I put it on the official. Uh, remember, WWF would put out the official program for the pay per views yeah. yeah. at the store, and I had it on that. And uh, yeah, oh, so you bought the it. program at the store? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we uh, we talked about last week how when you would go to a house show, you know, getting the program was a big deal because you got the insert that had the rundown of the card oh. on it. So. And in the later years, it became just a version of the magazine. The program, like what you got at the newsstand, if you bought it at the event, would have been slightly different and more money. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> also, the house show programs you can only get at house shows. If I'm not Correct. Mistaken. Well, they would throw you a bone and they'd put a back order uh, page in a magazine once a right. year or something. That's right. And that's where you'd be like, all right, I got number uh, 65 when I went to my show. Uh, why don't I get number 72 and see where they were at, you know, three months later. <laughs> <laughs> and it always be like a rant, like a, maybe an upper mid card guy on it, yeah. like whatever angle at the time, like it maybe had bulldog on it. And it's right. like British bulldog has the site set on the repo, man. <laughs> i think i had the warlord at one point i think the yeah, warlord yeah. actually made it on the uh on the cover of uh of a magazine uh at some point for the programs and and the reason i mentioned the um bulldog is because uh that house show that the 93 one that we'll talk about my my friend uh, todd fricker is getting a lot of plugs here <laughs> yeah todd he, fricker i should have had him on screw you <laughs> <laughs> he um got the program and i'm pretty sure bulldog was on the cover and he brought it to school the next week and um you couldn't get away with, you couldn't get away with this today i know from my experience as a teacher nor would i want to do this but he kept taking the magazine out the teacher kept telling him to put it away she finally confiscated it and ripped it in two <laughs> yeah <laughs> <in> the trash <laughs> That ain't flying today. That's for damn sure. <laughs> oh my god! You got parents down there? Hell yeah! Uh, I just want to point out the Survivor Series '92 was November 25th, 92 in front of eighteen thousand at the mm. Richfield Coliseum. So, was your dad uh, the kind of guy who'd want to beat the traffic? <laughs> oh, so um, yeah. You know, my dad, like you're much like you've shared with you know about your dad. My dad was not a wrestling fan, but he you know tolerated it and um. Uh, it was me, my dad, my uncle, and my two cousins. The cousins I got me into wrestling, Brent and Brandon. And uh, oh, I will say this: I was very confused because the opening match, the, the opening dark match, was Crush versus Repo Man. Yes, it was. I was just gonna, I was gonna ask you about that. <laughs> okay, yeah, because that I didn't know, you know, such things existed. You know, dark match, and uh, that was not advertised. And I just was like, whoa, what? I remember Repo Man's music hitting, and I said to my cousin, I'm like, he's not supposed to wrestle tonight. What's going on? <laughs> That's a battle of demolition right there, whether you like it or not. <laughs> oh, dude, never, never thought of it like that. You got the battle of demolition, Repo Man and Crush. Come on. That's, uh, yeah. You thought the Mega exploded? That's a demolition version to exploding. You know what Barry Darso's favorite gimmick was? I don't know. Please don't tell me hole in one. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Close, kind of. Um, this is coming from uh, his son. 
apparently allegedly because B- barry dar um oh man when, when i first fcw uh uh darth's son was there and um really nice nice kid oh man oh. was it dakota yes dakota thank you yeah dakota your foot might be the first gump of wwe developmental but you're gonna wake <laughs> up uh pretty early in the morning to beat me on that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you dakota and um so smash came that come down one weekend you know just to kind of hang out and it's it was just kind of funny and he, he just was like you know he was like the dad you know and, and anyway um i remember him, i remember him asking me uh i was in the, the 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 apartment complex gym where we all lived and, and i was in there working out and he was in there and he said hey uh you're sweating off some of those beers from last night are you <laughs> i said actually no i was like, i don't even drink anymore but you know whatever and he's anyway um dakota told me his favorite gimmick was the black top bully Oh, Which, I can um, believe that. <laughs> yeah, oh, funny because um, yeah, you think it would be Smash, but yeah, not necessarily. So the uh, yeah, yeah, the blacktop bully. I can see it. I mean, I'm sure he they had some stories about some of those uh, Minneapolis days uh, that those guys had mm-hmm. uh, beating up uh, guys at the bars. All those that crew of Rick Rude and uh, and the Road Warriors and Darso. <laughs> Damn, yeah. Can you imagine that? You imagine going to a place and you're getting a little rowdy, and then who's coming at you? And John Nord, the berserker. <laughs> like, yeah. All these freaking guys. <laughs> um, yeah. Joe had, yeah, Joe had some crazy stories from his dad. You imagine. Listen, this is what I, this, this is kind of just a continuing in our conversations that we usually have. That's what they kind of sound like. Uh, so let's get to the house show. Now, this is what I found first. So the house show date from the Beagley Center in beautiful Youngstown, Ohio, is May 6, 1993. Mm. Okay. okay? Yeah. Now, here's, here's a little tidbit I found out about this show. This is the research I did. On March 13, 1993, there was a canceled house show due to bad weather. The show was rescheduled for May 6th, and tickets for this card were honored at that event. Were you supposed supposed to go to this March show? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, probably. I don't remember that though. But probably. And that think um, about that. So that was a pre WrestleMania nine house show. <laughs> wow. Okay. In by this point in my wrestling fandom, um, ninety three, like the Beagley. So they would run Beagley not as often in like 90, 91, 92. Check this out. They would run Beagley every three months, but yeah. none of the heels had their managers because it was probably like the sea show or something, right? <laughs> and managers didn't do the smaller towns, I guess. I don't know. I could pull it up. I actually have every show that was at the Beagley uh, in front of me. No way. Every, every one. Yeah, I'll send you this link. Uh, I just pulled up uh, Friday, January 19th, 1990. And here, here's – wow, you actually got this. not bad. Uh, you got Randy Savage uh, defeating Jim Duggan, and you got Dusty Rhodes uh, beating the Big Boss Man. Uh, and it's listed here. I I wonder if this was the main event. You got the Bushwhackers uh, defeating the the Bolsheviks. <laughs> so. Interesting. First one I ever went to was would have been like later that year. It was like October. Hmm, let me October see. 90. October would it have been uh, November sixteenth? 1990 if this would open i could read you the uh the card results did it feature the ultimate warrior defeating the macho the macho king interesting so that that was my second show the uh, the first <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah because i remember and, um so the my first one must have been like july or august then uh the average age of the wrestlers on the card was 34.3 years yes that's how detailed this website is <laughs> wow <laughs> see that 34 that's that's how it was then too the guys were like closer to my age now right like like the wrestlers oh it has to be i mean dusty Rhodes on the card and uh you know uh uh, uh, nikolai volkoff i mean these guys weren't spring chickens the the first i remember the first one i ever went to was just me and my dad and um saba simba tony alice was on the card i remember rude was on the card my dad was very impressed with uh the, the physical shape Rick Rude was in, you know, in a lot of the guys actually. 
I can't remember the main the, event. I will say well, I will one, say this. What the, the the first card I went to, um, in Bret Hart in Wrestling with Shadows, Bret says he only ever missed two. Bret's only ever missed two um, shows, and one of them was due to his brother's death. Right, and um, right. and one of them was was that was that show I was at because uh, um, the the tag team the tag team title match was the Heart Foundation versus the uh, Rhythm and Blues, and uh, before the show they come out due to a death in the family, and everybody starts booing. Said Brett and Hart will not be here tonight, so the Anvil defended on his own. Uh, that was before Survivor Series ninety. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's um. That's crazy, you know, and then the the fact that it's one of those two shows that he mentioned, like what what are the odds yeah. of that? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I was like, I remember that. If you only missed two, I was at one of them. Now, all right. So let's back to ninety three. So so the it's a very interesting card uh, from this time period. Uh, your picture that you shared on uh, social media that spurned our conversation today was a a picture of uh, do- two doinks beating up Crush. So that's how yeah. I knew I landed on the right show when I found uh, May 6th, because yeah. uh, by the time they would have come around again, uh, it was actually it's listed as 94. So they didn't come around for the rest of 93. And uh, that's where I knew it was this one. But so let, let's run down the card. I'll read, read it to you quick and then we'll circle back and get your thoughts. Right. Uh, Owen Hart defeats Terry Taylor. Uh, mm. Mr. Hughes defeats El Matador, Tito Santana. Uh, Crush defeats Doink the Clown by disqualification. The Undertaker defeats Giant Gonzalez by disqualification. Uh, Tatanka defeats Razor Ramon. Papa Shango defeats Typhoon. And in your main event, the Steiner Brothers defeat Money Incorporated via disqualification. Oh, interesting. Um, Now, Virgil wasn't on that show? I don't see Virgil listed here. Yeah, Rick Martel's not on the show. Rick Martel's on the show, but let me pull up the next one. Let me pull up the the prior. They yeah, are not. Totally. No, they are not listed on this one. No. Okay, so interesting. Okay, and so that, that's so cool. You have those there. I remember Giant Gonzalez being there. I remember uh, Owen Hart versus Terry Taylor. Interesting. So the other because the other thing we did. I also have these pictures. Is uh. I remember Mr. Hughes being there because it was at at this show. We spent a lot of our time also in the back parking lot wait, waiting for the guys to leave. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And um, and and Mr. Um, Mr. Hughes was very nice, and then we got a picture of him smiling, and I thought, I thought that was amazing. Yeah. Wow, breaking kayfabe big time, <laughs> right? He's super nice, and um. Typhoon would have been on the show by himself because, and and I, uh, we, me and so me and Todd Fricker, we, we were in the back and Typhoon's leaving, and Todd says, "Where's Earthquake?" And Typhoon says, "He's in Japan." And Todd <laughs> says, "Tell him he sucks." <laughs> so that's great. That's how. Now the reason I mentioned Virgil and Rick Martel, it must have been a show or two before this. Um, like I said, this is where I'm at, you know, in the fandom, you're kind of like, you know, you know, the house shows or they are what they are, especially those shows at mm-hmm. that time back then. So we would just hang, we figured we discovered we can hang out in the, in the back parking lot and watch the guys leave. And, um, sure enough, I remember seeing, uh, this guy walks by and, and, and Todd Fricker says, Hey man, nice sweater. And I'm like, dude, why, you know, who's, why are you saying this? To that? And I'm like, oh, that's Rick Martell. And uh, you know he he was a true heel, which which is good. He just walked past us, didn't say anything, didn't sign any autographs. And I remember seeing Virgil leaving as well. And uh, yeah, how his nose was. That's when Sid <laughs> it just broke his nose. <laughs> you best let Virgil keep going. Now Rick Martel, <laughs> I'm sure walked by you very charismatically and with quite the swagger that only a guy like the model could probably have walking by you. He, he, he looked good. He was dressed nice too. Yeah. Of course he was. He's he's living the game like Mr. Hughes, breaking (laughs) kayfabe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So for so for like you, and go back to the May show. um, What's the match that's that's really drawing? What's the one you're talking about 
afterwards uh after going through the ones i just went through i mean you know steiner brothers db uh, versus money incorporated a lot of tv matches a couple review interactions um you know there's a few I mean, undertaker giants house that's a spectacle and a half right there <laughs> yeah you know probably at that point like i was 13 so we, we were probably more interested in just trying to like meet the guys you know than any of the matches um you, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really remember any of the matches standing out. That's pretty good. But also, and let me point out this. There was the average age was 32.8 of this, uh, <laughs> this roster. <laughs> you know, yeah. And that's, um, that is funny. I remember Nova and I talking about that once. He, you know, it's like, is it, is it cause we're younger or did it change? Cause when we were kids, it just seemed like the wrestlers were like such men. Yeah. And they were, they were like, in their th- mid 30s right because by the time you get the wwf or on tv it's like it was a little different time i guess coming through the territories and all that and but you know it's kind of weird if you you do look at this just keeping this card you know up and going through it you know really the the uber veteran is tito satana you know he's obviously the mainstay he's been there forever at this point but you kind of and dibiase too and I, i guess you throw um uh, IRS in, in that, you know, supreme veteran category. But then, you know, look at the fact that it's, you know, uh, Undertaker's not that old at that point. You know, he's probably only That's like true. in his late 20s, you know, yeah. and, and the Steiner brothers. I mean, Scott Steiner, you know, he's still not that. He's only, I believe, in his early 50s now. So, you know, these guys are still they are pretty young and they are kind of ushering in that changing of the card where two years yeah. ago you're seeing, yeah. you know, ultimate warrior and the macho king, you know, and dusty Rhodes on this show. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Yep. And uh, even like guys like Papa Shango and Owen Hart, those are all yeah younger guys. Yeah. They're young guys at that point that just, they, the benefit of having long careers. So that's why we kind of, you know, we know them so well and feel like they were around forever because they had long careers, but you know, yeah. it's uh, it's funny because Papa Shango, really thinking about it in may 93 like he's basically done after you yeah know, he's gone yeah yeah it's true yeah but loaded with these new generation you know personality kona crush you know <laughs> i'd send you i said were you doing the kona you know were you doing the the crushing of the coconut uh from your seat because these are the things that were identifiable for that 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 age group <laughs> right right yep i love crush. he's my favorite wrestler <laughs> I could see the uh I could see some of the similarities. Um but so the Beagley it's the Beagley Physical Education Center in Youngstown, Ohio. Just talk about it as uh, an arena to watch a show. Is it is that every seat in the house is good? Uh you know, um, eh, you got to get there early to see what the whole place looks like. Well, what kind of arena is it for you? Yeah, uh pretty much every arena and the seats good. Um you can um yeah, what does it hold? Does it say there? It probably holds fifteen thousand. This maybe. says this says the attendance was twenty five hundred. Yeah. Okay. So it, it might hold twelve thousand. Um, Is it really that much? Because I mean, that picture you have, it looks huge. So I couldn't get yeah. a gauge by looking at some of the attendance here, and, and also it maybe being a C show for them. You know, that's a pretty, that's a pretty damn big arena than to be running. Yeah, and um. You know, and I forgot about. I think I, I think I mentioned you this. Um, so I, I went at a odd time and not odd time, but I went there in two thousand two. No, I'm sorry, February two thousand three. I went there. Yes, it's the um, March 9th, two thousand three. March 9th, dude. Let me check this out. You got John Cena versus Rhino, right? Uh, Nathan Jones should be on the card. Matt Hardy. Nathan Jones defeats Chris Canyon. Oh, okay. Yes. So, so the story behind that is, um, so let's see, Mar- March, February, 2003. Um, I-, I am, you know, wrestling full time at OVW and, um, don't have a contract, but I'm living in Louisville, you know, doing TVs for Cornette there. And, uh, I went back home. I don't remember why I went back home to see my family and it coincided with the uh, WWF house show being there. Um, had struck up a friendship with Chris Canyon the previous, you know, year and a half down in Louisville. 
and um, I knew Cena well from from OVW, and we a uh, few other guys on the card. Anyway, um, Canyon, I think Canyon had invited me to come to the show, and I went. Like I met him there, so I hung out in the locker room, and um, uh, and I knew Cena, and you know, and, and right. um, remember I met Matt Hardy for anyway. I was kind of like the young wrestler guy, kind of hanging out with these guys, and uh, so that was a cool experience. It kind of you know, uh, you know, not being on the card like I was in 20, 2005, two years later, but like kind of being, you know, in with the guys and being backstage at the Bailey Center. So, and I remember Canyon was there specifically to work with Nathan Jones, who was right. new and, you know, green and massive. So they wanted a guy like, like Chris to work with them. And um, I remember afterwards going out to dinner. This is the first time I met Matt Hardy. Like Matt Hardy was there, and I think maybe Shannon Moore. I didn't know him then. I got to know him later, but they were, they were all talking about Nathan Jones and just, you know, yeah, <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing bad. But, nothing but good I was gonna say nothing but good things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, interesting card. Uh, world's greatest tag team: Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin defeat uh, the Guerreros. Eddie and Chavo. Yeah. Uh, Chris Benoit defeats A Train. That looks like. Uh, that was listed as uh, looks like well it's listed weirdly because how is this not the main event but Brock Lesnar defeats the Big Show and Paul Heyman in a handicap match oh yeah I remember okay I remember Brock being there okay yeah let me ask what, you this. I don't know I don't see it's listed in a weird order so I don't this is listed first the two-on-one handicap match and the Benoit a train is listed last so I, I I don't know if it's reverse order or Interesting. The order I'm reading it is correct, but I never asked you this. And I know this is leaving my decade here of new generation declassified. Yeah. I just got to ask you this on the air. Cause I see his name. What was Brock like at that, at that time still like uh, in that weird aura around him, he would carry. Um, so like, what was he like? Just like, like personally or like, yeah, like what was him? he like backstage? Like, was he, did he keep to himself? Is he just kind of like there? Like what, what Brock's deal? Y- yeah. So, uh, I, I showed you that picture of me wrestling Brock at that OVW yes. house show. Yes. Um, so, you know, I guess I can only speak from my experience. So, you know, Brock, you know, all those guys to me then were, you know, they were like, like I was a freshman and they were like the senior varsity guys. And I always was, you know, well liked cause I just knew how to act right in the around, be respectful and that whole thing. And right. Um, so to me, Brock was kind of just, I mean, he was freaking Brock, right? Like just, yeah. Um, and he always seemed cool. I mean, he was always cool with me. I wasn't around him a ton. Um, but um, he was, he, he just, I guess kind of what you'd expect. Everybody respected him. He was just, I mean, kind of, um, I remember um, uh, him just being just, you know when you're when you're, you're the if even when he was brand new he was he was still like the the beast right you know what i mean like is that if that makes sense um yeah he just aged he, he's exactly the same you know physically and yeah, uh yeah. you know and everything he did then he could still do now yeah yeah but he i was i mean <clears throat> i never had any issues with them like i said i wasn't around him a, a ton but yeah, well, you survived. Cool. I saw you in that picture. You were up in the, in the press. You survived, so it's good to uh, it's good to have you. Yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, but yeah, so let's fa- yeah. Oh, okay. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, it was me and Jason Lee versus Shelton Brock and Shelton. Yeah. Oh, the the Minnesota Minnesota stretching crew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very, uh, very nice. So let me just uh, fast forward here to the uh, the 2005 show. So it's August 7th, 2005. Uh, you know, you're, you come full circle here. The show you went to as a kid, you know, the arena you went to as a kid, the, the countless amounts of wrestling you saw there that you finally, you stepping through the ropes, coming down that aisle, that nondescript door, that whatever the hell entrance it was, uh, as you team with a not yet uh, awesome Mike Mizanin, uh, at, and of course, you are Chris Cage at this point uh, against Caden Murdoch, who you know you told me about, you know, and working with them. But what's that like for you to k- perform in that building that you you went to countless times as a kid? 
Oh man, that was so cool. And I think by that time they had a curtain up. I think they had dressed up the house. <laughs> Progress. <was> a yeah, <laughs> Progress. Yeah. <laughs> and that was really cool because I, I knew it was coming up. And so what was happening at that time, you know, for me in my professional career was um, Matt Capitelli from Tough Enough, you know, who's recently passed away, unfortunately, you know, from the brain tumor. Um, uh, him and the Miz were going to be a team. They're going to be reality TV stars. And then Matt got hurt. And so they needed someone to fill in with the Miz over the summer. And so like me and Miz did all the, like we did all the house shows, like, like a lot of them that summer. Um, that's when I did those tent shows. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'll send you about up in Jersey there. And so anyway, you know, we, we knew it was coming up and I saw it I was going to line up. I was going to get the work Bigley Center in Youngstown. And, and so that was cool. And to get the work, um, with Lance, because Lance Cade, um, who also unfortunately is no longer with us, but Lance was a guy that I knew from very early on in my career. And Lance was younger than me, but he had been wrestling longer than me. So he was a veteran to me. And he's somebody I looked up to. And he always helped me out a lot. And um, we worked a lot together in OBW. So to get to work with him on that show was really cool. Um, Trevor was cool. I knew him through, you know, from being up there. Um, and, uh, it was neat. I had a lot of friends and family at ringside. Um, that's cool. And, and, and it was neat too. Cause I remember before I, um, I remember before I locked up with Lance to start the match, I looked and I saw my, one of my best friends growing up, his parents were sitting at ringside. Nice. That's and very I yelled cool. His name. Yeah. And I yelled his name and Lance just shot me a look like, like he, he thought that was neat, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And um, but man, they they'd beat you up like like, the, like we call them the Cowboys, Caden Murdoch. Yeah, now they they look like they could be a little uh, little little rough. <laughs> yeah, very safe, but just chops, just this. They, yeah, yep. But it was good, you know, like yeah. And we and we've talked about it before, you and I. But I mean, like I think that they are that kind of prototypical, like perfect tag team of, you know, the size. The, the, the side, you know, Cade was huge. Murdoch had that unique look. We always said, you know, was he Dick Murdoch? Was he Dusty? Who the hell was he? But they had that perfect blend. And when they, I, I can't remember how they, you know, they, they had some matches with DX. I thought that they were like the next great heel team. It just, you know, it didn't work out. And whether, whatever that was about, you know, obviously I have, but uh, that's a hell of a team to be working with on this show. Yeah. 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 yeah they were good. Now, is that who you went around the loop with when you were doing these matches with the Miz? Was it against Kate Murdoch every night? I think so. Yeah, I think so. We worked them a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and and, and let me just point out what. Oh, just and, and those things too were really even though you weren't like doing the house shows before you like were officially on TV. That's what really made you feel like a part of you know and being like right. accepted in the locker room that you would work with guys on the main roster. And hang with them and have good matches you know so that that was always neat right oh absolutely but how about this too this is just a neat little thing before we, we get to the wrap up i've just you know again this is just the mark inside of me that would be uh, loving this that sean michaels is main eventing this show against edge who's a guy that you would have bought the tickets to go see as you when you were a fan going into the damn bigley center <laughs> whoa yeah that dude that was the other thing the, the card was good i remember kurt angle being there yeah it's a great card um, it's a fantastic card so i forgot about, how can i forget this the Shawn Michaels thing. I think I'm sure I've told you this before. So like Friday night, I can't remember which where we we were at, but um, so I remember Sean. Also, Sean trained Lance. Remember Lance came right? Yes. Yep. So he had a relationship with him, and I remember um, Sean would always make sure he watched Lance's matches. And Lance told me that um Friday night he said, "Hey, he said, hey man, um." He goes, Sean was really putting putting you over in our match. And I was like, wow, really? He <laughs> said, yeah. And he's in Lance, Lance said, go, he's like, talk to him. He goes, Sean even said that's why him oh Flair was on the card too. He said, that's why him, Flair, Triple H, that's why they're there, you know, to help the young guys. And so um I was like, okay, cool. And then I remember I, I chickened out on Saturday. So Sunday in the in the locker room of the Beagley Center, uh I walk into the uh, bathroom and Sean's walking out 
And I said, hey, Sean, when you have a moment, can I talk to you later? And he said, I have a moment right now. What's up? <laughs> and, uh, I was like, and I just said to him, hey, you know, uh, Lance said you had some nice things to say about my match or any pointers or anything like that. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And basically what he told me, he said, he has your goes, you're very good. So sometimes you'll be put in a position uh, to make other guys look good. He said, don't be afraid to step on some toes. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, it, that, that was a cool highlight for me personally. Yeah. Being in that arena and Shawn Michaels, my favorite guy, you know, ever telling me that he thought I was really good in the ring. So that was cool. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You didn't tell him you had the glasses and the gloves and the hat and, you know, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I never did. I wish I didn't. Oh, come on. Boo. When you had that, I could just picture you with that longer hair. If you grew your hair out a little longer of you when you were a kid with those gloves. <laughs> Remember the hat? Remember the dumb hat? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damn. That's, uh, that's, no, that's really cool, man. And that's why, you know, I really wanted to talk to you about these because it's, it's full circle for you. It's going as a kid. It's getting to wrestle in the building. I, I think that's so yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. You know, and it's quite I mean, the, it's quite the journey because look, you know what you did you said you tapped out for a few years which i know a lot of people did um but it's the guys that wrestled in that era are what inspired you to be a wrestler because those were your formative years that's exactly right uh and it was like my freshman year in high school which would have been like fall of 94 just kind of lost interest and then WrestleMania 10 kind of brought me back. But the guys that drew me back in were Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, Diesel. Um, and by WrestleMania 12, I'm full on, full fledged HBK mark. I want to do this. I'm 15. I'm going to be a wrestler. Like, that's where it all, yeah, picked back up for me. <laughs> so we will say, we will drop the Tell Me a Lie uh, music video in the new generation era. That, that'll be official. <laughs> yeah. New generation fodder that tell me a video and song. <laughs> it, it used to bother me too when people would boo Sean. I, I just thought he was the coolest. And, and you know, the, 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 the guards kind of changing and Sean's this, you know, the, the flamboyant baby face and, uh, you know, the hardcore wrestling fans are starting to sh crap on him. Yeah, we talked you about know. it last week. You know, we talked about New York, Madison Square Garden. You know, uh, Survivor Series 96 was yeah. – that was the one where, I mean, he had been getting booed in, in some shows, and then whoever they paired him with, you know, it had to be the perfect bad guy for, for the fans to really right. get behind him. But Survivor Series 96, you put him against Sid, oh, it was over. <laughs> yeah, that was it, yeah. Uh, um, Sean yeah. Michaels. Yeah, this has been awesome. I have two minutes. I gotta call it. Yeah, no, nope, I'm gonna wrap it up now. Anything so please, else? no, that's yeah. it. No, please, I want you to share with the yeah. uh, with the listeners, you know, where they can find you, and you know, I'll talk to you in like an hour, and we'll uh, continue the conversation <laughs> yeah. privately. But uh, please share with the listeners where they can find everything going on in the world of the great Chris Pavone. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, so I have a website, it's chrispavone.com. I'm also a business and life coach. So if you uh, need help with anything, and it's not what you, might, if you don't know what coaching is, it's probably not what you think it is. So hey, if you ever want to talk to me, you can find me at uh, chrispavone.com um, and on uh, Croft Daddy WWE on Twitter. And I'm Chris Pavone on Facebook, Chris with a K, and uh, the Chris Pavone Show podcast. I do not update it regularly anymore but there are 150 evergreen episodes of positivity inspiration encouragement you can listen to anytime you like so yeah thanks That's chad awesome. and thanks for the platform and it's always fun and uh, yeah i appreciate it uh, you're, you know we've become very good friends over the years and, and I, I can't thank you enough and uh yeah. i'd love to have you back we'll talk about some more cool new generation stuff for me if you want to follow me it's at chad emb and all the rest in between, ibexclusives.com, my website. So for Croft Daddy, the man Chris Cage, the guy with 100 wrestling names, this is your <laughs> old pal, the Chadster, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.